What is up, everybody? How's everybody doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Uh, seriously, I, I need y'all to be honest. How many of y'all, don't raise your hand too soon because I might get you eventually. How many of y'all have like no financial issues whatsoever in your home? You like, you're debt free. You have millions of dollars in the bank. You have not a worry in the world and everything is good. You've never had one concern in your entire marriage or in your childhood, adulthood, young adult. Everything's perfect when it comes to money. Awesome. So everybody has to come next week. That's perfect. Uh, so the only people that don't need to come for real are the people that just like financially you feel like everything's good. This is not a financial series like you're used to. Most people, if you've been to church, uh, you've heard we want all your money sermons and why you suck if you don't give. And that is not this message. All right. That's not what we're going to do uh, in the least bit. That's not what this is about. And so um, we will deal with generosity. But in general, it's uh, what does God tell us about money? And why did he talk? Why did, listen, this is crazy. Why did Jesus talk about money more than prayer and heaven and hell combined? Isn't that kind of crazy? Why did he talk about it? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to learn what it means to have a balanced life. And I'm really excited. I'm telling y'all, honest to goodness, I have loved this series that we're in right now that we're finishing today. But I think more people are going to gain more truth and it help more than even this series, and so I'm really excited about balance. So y'all get the cards, invite your friends. Uh, we just really think a lot of people's homes are going to get freed because of learning how to be uh, what God tells us to be with money. So it'll be good. Today we're finishing, we're finishing uh, Live Free or Die Trying, and if you've missed any, this is kind of the story. It's the story of Abraham, and we, we started with him stepping out. He lived in a place called Ur. It was a comfortable place. He had no business leaving. He steps out. He follows God. God called him to a place that he didn't know and he follows him. And then along the way, he went to a place that he had to live in tents and it was very difficult. And then he went to Egypt and his wife was beautiful and he lied and said, uh, this, is, this is not my wife, this is my sister. Weird. And so, but God still loved him through that. And even in the middle of circumstances where he screwed up, we watched him continue to walk in faith and how God works in that. And then last week, amazing story about how as a 90-year-old woman, Sarah, gave birth to Isaac, and the father, Abraham, had many sons, right? Many sons had five. He, he was 100. None of y'all, for real? Uh, he was 100 years old, and he had, he had a, the son of promise at 100, and so when things don't seem like it's going to work, it's kind of crazy how this faith thing works. But today, today of those four that we've done, today's my favorite. Today is the story that rocks my world more than any other story, and it's because of how <laughs> how it doesn't make sense. Like this, the, for real? Like the rest of these stories are tough, right? And faith, can I just be honest? Here's the problem with faith. Like here's the problem with the whole series is um, faith is awesome and it's something that we're willing to try. It's like the flavor of the month. This Jesus thing, it seems pretty cool and I'll try it out as long as it's cool, right? As long as it's good for me, as long as I'm comfortable, as long as it's making me have a better life, my best life now, as long as I feel good about everything I'm in. As soon as it gets difficult, though, deuces, right? I'm out. I'm not into this hard stuff. And that's kind of why I love today and why I kind of, it makes me almost nauseous, sick to my stomach. So I just want to know. But and y'all can raise your hand if you want to. I, I would love for you to be honest and make me maybe feel better about myself. How many of y'all, I'll, I'll change the question. How many of y'all, everything is, is honestly euphoric right now in your life seem, things just seem perfect you're on cloud nine things have been emotionally perfect this week honestly and if it is I, 
don't, don't lie. If things are basically perfect in your life and everything, there's no problems at all, I just want you to raise your hand and be honest. If things seem really good, these are awesome. Huh. So, how many of y'all have faced a difficulty of some kind in the last week? Some kind of frustration, or honestly, you're in the clouds and it seems so dark and cold and gloomy? Huh. That's almost, if not all of us. That's crazy. I don't know if it's something about the fall. Like, I love the fall because it's college football, right? Even though last night, <laughs> but like... Oof. All Clemson fans are like, no, that wasn't bad. I still love y'all, but yeah, I'm deeply hurt in my heart right now. This one left. Uh, but like, so, so it's really my favorite time of year because like I like when it gets cooler because I'm really big and the hot is just not good for me. And like, so like it gets cooler and the leaves change. It's really pretty, but I don't know. It's something about the fall. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like you kind of I'm not a depressed person at all. Like, I'm annoyingly not depressed most of the time. Like, I'm crazy and eccentric and loud. And, like, I don't know. This week, one would think, after last Sunday, and if y'all were here, you know what I'm talking about. It was unbelievable. And it was like on Monday, the crazy bus came to my house and just picked all my family up. Like, let's go. It's time to get on the crazy bus. And we just had a, and nothing bad happened. Honestly. It was just hard. Like, like Tuesday it was just a difficult afternoon for my family. And it was like, I can't give you any details of something that horribly bad happened. Just sometimes life is hard. And then there's some of y'all in this room. And I've looked at people this morning that I know are facing things that are overwhelmingly difficult. And am I the only one that ever feels like just throwing your hands up and saying, oh my gosh, this is hard. Am I the only one? Y'all can talk out loud. Am I the only one? No. We all feel that way sometimes, don't we? Because life gets hard. And, and then this is the deal. And I think this is where we kind of, I think this is where we kind of draw the line in the sand and say, you know what, this God thing, man, it seems pretty cool, Mark. I, I've been cool with your messages up till this point, but I'm not sure I want to face what you're about to talk about. Because we're cool when life is cool. But when we face things that are overwhelming, kind of back off. And each week we've been looking at Hebrews chapter 11, and we've kind of walked through the story of Abraham with how Hebrews 11, which is the faith chapter in the Bible, I love that chapter. If you want to go back through, I would encourage you all this week to read that chapter. Just look at the heroes of the faith. I didn't say this in the first service, but, you know, we fail to read the end of the, of the chapter a lot of times in Hebrews 11, where uh, people were stoned to death and beheaded and sawn in two. That, that sounds awesome, doesn't it? I got the Jack Hawk 9000 right here that I'm going to use as an illustration. That's funny, by the way, if you've seen Talladega Nights. But, uh, but getting sawn in half? Like, where's the best life now in that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, how is that, how is that prosperity? How could that possibly be God's plan for my life to get sawn in two? And I don't think it is for any of us, honestly. But then when we watch our friends in other countries like in Syria right now and the ISIS are beheading mostly Christians, is God really involved in that? Like seriously? Like how, how is God really, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't get everything either. I, it's kind of freaks me out and I don't get everything. I don't even get why life just can't be euphoric sometimes. You know, like the walk on the beach. Or if y'all like the mountains better, and you just got your feet up wherever you want to, and you got your favorite book, or you got your favorite TV show, and you just have no stress at all, because everyone in here 
has stress right now. I don't care how old or young you are. So why can't it just be easy? Y'all just need to read Hebrews 11. It's so awesome. But this is what Hebrews 11 with Abraham says. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, when he was tested. Like up to this point, was he not tested, right? You kind of go, this sucks. Like I, I felt good about life up until this point, and now you're going to put me here? James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. If you struggle, if you're going through a hard time, consider it pure joys, brothers and sisters, when you face trials and tribulations of many kind, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Guys, that's what we need is endurance for this race. This, this life that we live, it's a race. And it's not a race of like a 100-yard dash, but it's a marathon. It's much bigger than that. And the endurance that we need, now this is crazy. This doesn't make sense. The endurance that we need, to finish the race strong so that we don't turn our back on God is to be tested. Now, what? That doesn't make sense, does it? But once you go through the fire and you come out on the other side, you're like, yes, it does. Because God showed me something through that. And had it not been through the hardest time of my life, I would not be where I am today. And so thank God for that. But until you walk through it and until you keep taking steps, and I'm telling you, that's what faith is, guys. You say, Pastor Mark, I've lived, I want to do this live free thing. I want to do all this. What do I do? Take the next step. The reason we have next steps on that back wall is not so we sound cool. It's because we believe that is what faith is. It is continuing to take the next step. The reason that people leave the faith is not because they're incapable. Once we're in Christ, we're capable of anything. It's because we fail to take the next step. And we look at our circumstances and we let that overwhelm us rather than to take the next step. And it says, by faith, when Abraham was tested, offered up Isaac. That offered up doesn't mean it's like, here's my son, Simba, you know, like, it's not that. That's what I do with my son, because he's going to be the goat someday in some sport, of course, because he's my son, awesome. But, like, that's not what I'm talking about. We don't hold him up like Mufasa's holding up Simba. I'm talking about he's offering him up with a Jackhawk 9000. That's not a good thing. And he went, excuse me, and he who received the promise, who was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Love this verse, man. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. How many times this week, I don't even want you to look at the last 10 years, how many times this week when God tested you with something, did you consider what he could do, or did you consider what you could do? How many times this week, when God was putting you through a test, because it's going to happen every week, if we are in Christ Jesus, meaning we've trusted him as Savior, we've taken the step to follow him, and then we continue to take steps to, to walk with him daily, how many times this week? This is, I asked myself this question last night, and I kind of got frustrated with myself. I was like, ooh, good job, Mark. How many times this week? When considering what faces me, did I say, I got this, or did I consider God who can do it? And here's the one thing. If you don't remember anything else today, I hope that you'll remember this. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. If my faith is so shallow and so surfacy that I've taken one step, and it may have been in here, and it may have been 10 years ago, and we said, God, I think you're really the guy that created. The song we just sang was so beautiful, isn't it? I really do believe that you're the creator. And I really believe that you're everything that, 
that is said about you. But a really hard thing came around, and I don't see you doing anything. I, I don't get this whole God thing when it comes to difficult things, and so I'm just going to walk away. A faith that can't be tested, can't be trusted, it wasn't real. That means, that means, whenever the difficulties come, if I turn from it, it I was never in faith anyway, which means I was never in Christ. I may have had an emotional experience. I may have intended in my heart, in my mind to do something. But I never truly said, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died, but not only died, rose again. And you are living today for me. And when the worst things come, I believe that you're fighting for me, that Jesus is praying for me, and the Holy Spirit is grieving on my behalf. And in all of those things, I don't get what's happening. And guys, I don't get what's happening. Like this isn't me saying it in a cliche way. This is legit. I don't get everything that happens. But if our faith is genuine and authentic and real in the Lord Jesus, in the worst of circumstances, we take a step back. And that doesn't mean that we have violins playing and the music playing in the background and everything's awesome. It is awful sometimes. But a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. So today, today, what I want to do is look at the, the chapter of Genesis 22 and just kind of walk through and watch Abraham and how he, when his faith was tested, he kept walking. Because I'm telling y'all, of all the stories in the Bible, I'm not sure there's a faith story that's more tested and more tried and more amazing of what God does than this story. So if you have your Bible, turn it. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, if you'll step at the back at our Next Steps area, we will give you a Bible because I believe there's no time in your life that you can spend any greater than the time you spend in the Bible. And so we want you to have that. Genesis chapter 22, it'll be on the screen. Genesis chapter 22. Verse 1 says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And if God said your name out loud, what would you say? Here, right? It was probably more, more than the Bible way of here I am, Lord, because that's how we think of it, right? With Charlton Heston's voice, that's the way y'all think too, isn't it? Here I am, Lord, yes, because I know he played Moses, but he played Abraham too, just because it's just what you do, and then Abraham somehow didn't have the Ten Commandments, but it's all good. So here I am. It's like, yes, but it's like present, like, like when you were growing up with your teacher. Here. What did I do? He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go into the land of Moriah. And at this point when God's talking, he's like, sweet, sounds awesome, until this word. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Can I just tell you why this was a big deal? Obviously, offer him isn't a good start. And some of y'all might find this gross or morbid, but I think it's significant. A burnt offering in Leviticus chapter 1, when it's described what happened, if you want to look it up, you're welcome to. But a burnt offering was not just an offering. It was an offering of most of the time a spotless lamb or a big cow or some form of animal, but you not only cut the neck and sprinkle the blood because Hebrews tells us without the shedding of blood there can be no forgiveness. And so that paid the penalty for sin and they had to kill animals. But also they would chop the animal up. And I'm not sure how big and I'm not going to give you details. But I'm telling you they butchered the animal, put it on the wood, then burnt the offering to God. And the aroma was pleasing to God. Now, that weirds us out because we don't do offerings. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> for taking that place but like because that'd be really weird if we had to like cut the throat of a cow every, or a sheep every month and like chop it up and burn it and phew, really glad that doesn't happen but immediately immediately and the law came after Abraham but I think 
the tradition had already started. And so I don't think he just thought that he was going to have to do a little jab. Like That would freak you out even more, wouldn't it? You, you want me to butcher my son? My only son that you promise you want me to butcher him. And at this point, maybe y'all aren't like this, but I would have given a little pushback. Come on, man. <laughs> like, what's the real plan? Because I got a better one, right, guys? This is, this is dumb. And go where I shall tell you to go. Basically, I want you to trust me and have no clue what I'm doing and it not make any sense. That's faith. A lot of times in your life and a lot of times in my life, what God calls us to do is much bigger than us. It's much, it's not going to make sense. I'm just telling you. Like, you want me to do what? Nah. (laughs) That doesn't logically make sense. I'm out. I'm out. A faith that can't be tested, can't be trusted. Verse 3. So Abraham rose. That's faith. Not understanding. Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled up his donkey and took two of his youngest men, his servants, with him and his son Isaac. And he cut, excuse me, he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose, excuse me, arose and went to the place of which God had told him. I cannot imagine this part of the story. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. That means for three days, Abraham was journeying along the way. He had to cut his own wood. Listen, if the altar was already set up, and I'm talking about build the, the stones around and make it circular and then put the wood in place for the, the offering to be burned so it was pleasing aroma to God and all these things that had to take place, knowing that he had to sprinkle the blood around it and then chop it up and then burn it. And if you're about to have to face something difficult and it's like in the next five minutes, that's terrible, isn't it? We can rip the band-aid off and just do it and face the anguish later. But when you have to sit with it and deal with it for three days, that's awful. Like, and this is the part of the story. I was holding Hayston last night. I was about to put him to bed and we kind of do our thing every night and sing a couple certain songs and we pray and he's just, he's my man, so it's fun. And then uh, I do the same thing with Lainey. She just <laughs> understands a little more and we tell Bible stories and read them. And, like, I was holding my kids last night, and I was just thinking to myself, nah, this is, this is bad. And this is really one of our knives to cut, you know, carrots with and not bring out here and wave around. But I did pull it out last night when I was um, reading back over this and just thought, there's not an amount of money on this planet that I would hurt my kids in their arm with this knife. Like, it, it makes me sick to my stomach even thinking about harming my children. And if someone else harms my children, it makes me sick to my stomach and thinking about what I would do, like I would react, you know. But you want me to... I just love this. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled up his donkeys, and he took his two young sons. Isn't that crazy? Like he just gets up and goes. Knowing that all this was going to take place that we've already read, that so he went up. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Three days of anguish. It's just, it's just too much. God, I'm cool with this faith thing, man. But this is too much, man. There's no way you would want, there's no way you would want my son to be sick. There's no way. There's no way you would want me to lose my job, man. God, this is too much, man. This, this faith thing, it was cool for a while, but I'm out. I'm out. 
Faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. I don't always get why God does what he does in us and through us. And some people say to us. But I do know that it's for our endurance sake. And so he can be made great. So he can be made great. And this is what happens. Verse 5. Then Abraham said to his young men, I want you to stay right here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship. Can you imagine being Abraham right then? We're going to go over there and worship. We'll be back. And come again to you. And Abraham took the wood. Can you imagine him? Can y'all picture it? Piling it up, the wood. And he left his servants there who had helped him along the way. But this is as far as you need to come. No doubt thinking, I don't want y'all to see what's about to happen. This is, this is going to be awful. And took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire with one hand. If y'all can picture it, if this is fire, he took the fire in one hand to start the wood. And then he took the knife, whatever it looked like, to kill and then butcher his son. And so they went. Both of them together. And now at this point, a 13-year-old, and some of y'all are teenagers and a little bit older. Can you imagine trusting your father enough to at this point just continue to walk through them and not understand? And at this point, you're tied up. I mean, it clearly says that he laid his son, laid it on his son. And, and I just can't imagine... I can't imagine having that much trust in my own father and as Abraham is walking, having that much faith in his heavenly father. It's crazy. That's faith. Next verse. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, there's fire. I see the fire. And you've done a good job. All right? Where is the sheep? Because this ain't something we ain't got. The math is not right, right? We got the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Translation, 13-year-olds, y'all know what I'm talking about? Bro, <laughs> you gotta, I got this rope and I got this wood. Some ain't adding up and I ain't the lamb, bro. This ain't working. Like something ain't right, but did you? You need some of those pills that you're supposed to be taking because I know you're over a hundred now, so maybe we need to get that medicine. I don't know what's happening. And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. That word means Jehovah Jireh. And I normally don't give you Hebrew or Greek words, and that's Hebrew, but it literally translates God will provide or God my provider. This right here. Those three words, Jehovah Jireh, which is a word that defines who God is. It is a name for God our Father. Jehovah Jireh is how we should deal with the difficulties in our lives. I don't know what I'm going to do next, Jehovah Jireh. I don't, I don't understand why this person's sick. God will provide. I don't know what's going to happen next. God will provide. How am I going to get through these next two weeks? It's overwhelming. I, I've got this deadline and I've got this and I've got this. God will provide. And so often, 
Mark will provide. Is the way that I live my life and I forget that God will provide. And I can preach it and I can name it and I can do everything that I want to do. But unless this becomes my lifestyle where all I remember, remember what I'm supposed to do is take the next step. God, I trust that you'll provide. And then you tell your son who's involved in it. I don't know, son. But God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac. Can you imagine at this point being bound up and being Isaac and being laid on the altar? A 13-year-old young man laying there in front of you. I, I feel the anguish for Abraham who's about to do the hardest thing Surely no father's ever had to do something harder than this. And then being Isaac and looking up and saying, really, I'm, I'm the lamb? Like me? <laughs> what did I do? Why did I deserve this? But unless the Bible left something out, and I just don't believe that to be so, he trusted his father. And he trusted God, the kid. And Abraham trusted God. And he was laying there. And for all intents and purposes, Isaac is dead at this point, isn't he? I mean, he's dead. He's still breathing. But you know, in Abraham's mind, he's not telling him goodbye because he doesn't want to startle him. But he is in his heart telling him goodbye. I love you, son. I don't know God's plan, but I trust God. And I love that. Hebrews 11 says that in his heart he knew that God could raise him from the dead. Anything could happen. I don't get it. And he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his son with all intent, 100% intent in his heart to kill him right then. And this is what happened. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. And I just picture it being loud. Abraham! Abraham! And I would imagine at this point Abraham didn't go, yep, what's up? Because I believe he had his hand raised and it was go time. And that anguish of you know you're facing the thing in your life that you cannot handle on your own because the lie that we've quoted so many times and some of you and I love you and I'm not mad at you but please don't do it again have put on social media, God never puts on us more than we can handle. This is more! Yes, he does! Why? Because a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. And if God doesn't ever put something more on me than I can handle, then I, I don't need him. And there's so many times in my life that I can't do it. This week, I didn't have a knife in my hand with my son, but I had things in my life that I couldn't do. And until I say, Jehovah Jireh, you will provide for me. I don't understand. I don't know what the next thing to do is, but I believe that you'll provide. I believe that you'll provide. And he was right here, and you know, you know, he said, here I am! And he must have been hoping for it. He must have been believing, I don't get this, and I'm going through with this, but God, I, I just really believe. My son was a son of promise. You promised him. I didn't believe it could happen. You made it happen. You promised me. You will provide. And guys, we can claim the promises of God. They're not, 
Sometimes we twist the promises of God like Jeremiah 29, 11, and we make them work for what we believe they should work for, and it's not in context sometimes. But there are promises of God that we can claim every time, and this is one of them. We can claim, God, you will provide. Sometimes, listen, listen, sometimes that means that our loved ones that we love so dearly that they pass away. You're like, how did God provide? He provided, he provided Jesus so they could have heaven for all time and forever. And I don't always understand it, and I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt. But I'm saying the Bible describes this life as a vapor, that it's here and then it's gone. And this is not my home, that I'm an alien and a stranger in a foreign land where I live right here, right now. And sometimes the ultimate healing is for us to go be with Jesus forever and all time. But I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always with us. He goes before us and he's behind us and his hand is on our head. Like Psalm 39, 139 verse 5 says that God is always, 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 always for me. And I just have to simply listen and look for him. Because I get so busy trying to be my provider that I forget who my provider is. And I just, this... He said, do not lay a hand, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes in anguish and torment And then he lifted up and he saw when he looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns, a spotless, perfect lamb. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered the ram up and not Isaac and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Can I tell you why this is one of my favorite stories in all the Bible? And I'm sure you can already tell the emotion in my heart. For all intents and purposes, I want everybody's eyes right here. For all intents and purposes, every one of us should be that sacrifice. And I don't mean like disgusting, gross, we're cut. I mean like we should ultimately have to pay the price for what we've done wrong because every person that has breathed air and was not one of the promised sons or daughters of Israel before God sent Jesus, not only deserved separation from God for eternity, but was going to get it whether they believed it or not. Like we were hopeless, beyond hope, nothing, nothing could possibly happen. And yet, when John the Baptist came to the earth, he had one purpose in mind. This is why I'm passionate about what we do, guys. John the Baptist in John chapter 1, verse 29 says, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Did you see what word he used? Behold. And behold, there was, what did it say? Behold, there was a a ram, right? A lamb. The same that John the Baptist was declaring that Jesus is here and off in the thicket or somewhere that lamb of God has come to take the place for what you've done. And you're like, Isaac didn't even do anything wrong. Yeah, but, but, but but he had to pay the price. Someone had to pay the price. Someone had to pay the price. For everything that I've done wrong, someone, someone had to pay the price. And this is what Romans chapter 5 says, and I absolutely love these verses. For while we were still weak, 
And this is the English Standard Version. Some of your versions say, while we were utterly hopeless. We had no hope at all at the right time. (laughs) Christ died for the ungodly. You know how I read that this morning. When the knife was raised in the air, my hand was stopped by the Holy Spirit, and I looked off in the thicket, and I saw a lamb that would take my place at just the right time when I was hopeless and alone. And listen to me this morning. If you've never been hopeless, I promise you, you've never been in Christ. Did you hear what I said? If you've never been hopeless, you can never be in Christ because you can never understand what he's done for us. If you can't look at where you are and realize what he's done, and it's not just the fact that while I was hopeless, he died for the ungodly. It's the fact that he lives for me today and I'm still not perfect and I never will be. But when he looks at me, he looks at me and sees Jesus. He sees his righteousness on my worst day. He sees me clothed in himself. And God, who is much bigger and much higher than us, did what he asked Abraham not to do anymore. His only son, he sacrificed. And this is what gets me is, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Like I know a bunch of you guys, and I love you, and I certainly would lay down my life before some of you would die. But it would be hard. But though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to die, maybe this is weird. Like the, You know what I'm saying? Like You can feel the tension in Paul's words here. I know some people would lay down their life for some people, but like even at that point, but God demonstrated or showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God shows his love for you and for me that while I was hopeless and lost and alone in the thicket, there was a lamb and God sacrificed. And guys, is ugly and gruesome as it sounds of what Abraham was about to do to Isaac, what Jesus went through was much worse. Because Abraham would have killed Isaac immediately and Jesus suffered on the cross for hours. Listen, this is what gets me. 39 lashes with a cat of nine tails, suffering by his stripes. By his stripes, the song that we're going to sing next is what it says, by his stripes we were healed. By his wounds. And he raised up on a cross and they put nails through his hands and his wrist bones and his feet. And he suffered the most gruesome death ever. Why? 2 Corinthians 5.21, this is Paul's words again. He who knew no sin took on all of our sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. That is how Jesus sees you today. That is how God the Father looks at you today. It blows my mind. If you're in Christ Jesus, he does not look at you and say, I cannot believe what you've done. I cannot believe what you've done this week. I can't believe that you turned your back on me at all this week. I can't believe when you struggled, you didn't look at me. This is how God sees you if you are in Christ. You're my son. I'm proud of you. Doesn't it feel good when someone tells you they're proud of you and they mean it? That's how God thinks of you every single day. And all he wants you to do is just keep taking the next step if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I believe in you. I love you. I loved you enough to give you 
my son, but this is the part that makes me most excited is Jesus Christ did not only take the place of our sin, anything that we've done wrong, he also, he also rose from the dead after he died. And today, he lives for every single one of you in this room. He lives today. The difference between Muslims and any other faith that you're reading about right now and what we are as Christians is that our God is alive. Our God didn't just die. He rose again. And today, on the right hand of God the Father, on your behalf and on my behalf, he looks at God and he says, I love him. I love her. That's my daughter. That's my son. I died for them, but I also lived for them. Guys, you, look at me right now. You are clothed. You are clothed in the glory of the Lord Jesus if you're in him. And there is nothing, nothing in this world that can overcome us. There's nothing. And I beat myself up more than anyone will ever beat myself up. And I have to remind myself, no, you're a son of the most high God. It's amazing. Guys, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. God wants us to die. God wants us to die so that we can live free. But the only way that we can die, the only way that we can die is by giving him ourselves as that sacrifice and saying, God, I'm yours. I trust you. He wants us to live free. And that's the thing that I want you to leave with. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. So die to yourself so you can live free. Right now, I want you to know something. Every single person in this room, look this way. The reason that we do what we do is this right here. The reason we do what we do is this right here. Some of you in this room have played church your whole life, and some of you haven't been in forever, but we do what we do for this right here. We want you to walk out of here and know that you live free when you leave this place today, that you're alive in Jesus Christ, that you are in Christ Jesus, which means what I was is not what I will be anymore that I know I'll fall back and I know I'll struggle, but I have freedom to walk away and keep taking steps toward him because he is in me. I'm alive. I'm free. Freedom, living free, is about me saying, Lord Jesus, it's about you, not me. Because of what you've done and what you continue to do, I trust you and I place my trust and faith in you. You ask God to forgive you of your sins through the Lord Jesus and then offer him what you are. That is your sacrifice. He already paid your debt. And I just want to know this morning for the first time, for the first time, if anyone, if you're being honest with yourself, would say, I've never done that. And today I want to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. More than anything in this world, that's what we want for you, is to walk out of here and live free. Because guys, if you'll walk away from it, it's not real because a faith that can't be trusted, or faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. Will you bow with me? All over the room, this is going to be very brief, all over the room, I just wonder, how many of you, when evaluating what Jesus Christ did for you and what he does for you today, realize that I've never truly trusted the Lord Jesus as my Savior, that I'm honestly hopeless and I feel alone, I feel cold, I feel dark, I, I do not have hope in my life in the worst circumstances or even the best, I feel lonely and I want to be alive in Jesus Christ today. And for the first time right now, 
for the first time in my life, I want to be saved. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand as high as you can. Wherever you are in this room, I want you to raise it up. Raise it up in this room. Say, Pastor Mark, I want to be saved. Guys, do not be embarrassed. If you feel like that's you, I need you to raise your hand right now and say, Pastor Mark, I want to be saved right here, right now. I want Jesus to save me. I want to live for Jesus Christ for the rest of my life. It's awesome. I want everybody to look this way. Lord willing, Lord willing, that means everybody in here is a Christian, and that is awesome. So here's the deal. All of us, by show of hands, struggle this week. The only way you're going to struggle, so I'm not even going to say the only way you're not going to struggle, the only way to keep going, the only way not to give up, the only way we can do what Abraham did and face the worst circumstances you could possibly imagine only to keep going is remember that God is my provider and I will keep walking, I will keep running, I will keep believing that God will provide. And guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you keep taking those steps, God will lift you up and he will strengthen you. Don't give up. A faith that can't be tested, can't be trusted. Will you stand with me? God, we believe in our hearts that you want to change this community with your gospel. And I pray right now that you'll strengthen every one of us because, God, we are weak and you are strong. But, God, we believe when we're weak, but we keep walking towards you, you strengthen us to help us endure the race that is before us. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Two things as the band keeps playing. Um, next week, starting next week, there's a college and, um, like, single-person ministry is going to start right here at 630. If you're interested in that, it'll be in the church. Um, we're working on some stuff. We're going to crank back up with the students. Um, and so hopefully uh, next week we'll have that information, exactly what we're going to do and the times and all that stuff. Um, also, right after this service, and I hope a bunch of you guys will stay, is our partnership gathering. It'll be uh, back there in the back, on in one of the back rooms. If y'all will stay right now. We'd love for everybody that's not a partner of our church to stay. Thank you guys so much for coming. If you have your offering, you can give it back at the Giving Center um, online. If you don't do it now, you can do it online or on the kiosks or with a check or cash. Uh, listen, next week, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, don't miss Balance. It's going to be an amazing series that's going to help so many people with financial freedom. We love you guys. Now let's close in worship.